Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Matthew Roberts, Employment Law Counsel with the California Chamber of Commerce. And joining me on the podcast today is a frequent guest of the podcast, Ashley Hoffman. Ashley is a Cal Chamber policy advocate who focuses on employment and labor matters here at the state capitol in California. Welcome back, Ashley. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Well, and kind of dovetailing into that legislature, it's that time of the year when, you know, the legislature and the governor have finished their annual work here in Sacramento. And it's time for employers to digest and prepare for the new laws that will take effect on January 1st of uh, 2022. The governor's deadline to sign any bill sent to his desk this year was October 10th. So the deadline is passed. Um, That means we have everything that we're going to have going into the new year. So Nothing new to expect until um, we enter into 2022 after all these bills that were signed um, by October 10th. Um, However, this year, Governor Newsom did take some action on some major employment and labor law bills that received a lot of media publicity, um, I think, uh, even nationally, um, which I found kind of interesting because, you know, in our field, we see a lot of bills that come through that apply generally to our employers, right, Ashley? And this year, what was really interesting is I think there was a lot of targeted bills. Um, and that's really what I found interesting. Do you really have any insights into kind of what happened this year that led to us seeing such targeted bills this year and not much for the general industry? Yeah, that's a really great observation. And I think it's definitely accurate. Um, there were you know, quite a few bills that were introduced that would have affected employers generally, um, but you know, especially those problematic ones uh, through our efforts and efforts with coalition members, thankfully we were able to stop quite a number of those. And I think, you know, in part that was due to probably COVID, you know, a recognition still by much of the legislature of just what the business community and, and especially like small employers have been through through COVID, you know, really trying to make a financial comeback. Um, those industries, especially that were hurt the hardest um, or the small business, uh, just everything they've gone through, you know, not this just not being the time to to put more mandates on them or more burdens, especially as they're trying to deal with, you know, changing Calosha regulations and, and regulations on the local city level. Um, and things like that. And, and I think kind of the second piece to it is there's been, you know, maybe more interest. Uh, and I think this has been exasperated a little bit by COVID as well in specific industries, you know, in industries that maybe have higher rates of wage theft in them um, or, you know, where workers kind of were on the front lines um, of COVID, you know, still reporting to work while uh, much of California was working from home. And so I think it's, it's kind of a mix of, of that, but I definitely think COVID-19 probably pays, plays the biggest role in, in why we saw such targeted bills. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's great. It really highlights, you know, the role Cal Chamber here has, you know, in the business community and on behalf of our members in the work we did in addressing those general um, industry bills and why we don't see very many is highlighting, you know, what employers are struggling with as we kind of try and navigate our way out of this pandemic. Um, And so I know the members will appreciate the work that we put in this legislative session, Ashley. So well done um, on that regard. So let's get into some of the specific bills, um, that were passed and signed by the governor that will have some impact, um, through the state of California as we get into the next year. The first one I wanted to focus on is what's known as AB 1033. It's one of the few kind of general employer bills that we have really to talk about this year. And actually, why don't you go ahead and describe for us what AB 1033 did? 
So AB 1033 was actually a bill that we sponsored. Um, it, you know, if you recall uh, from, I'm sure everyone knows the number SB 1383 from last year. That's the bill that expanded the California Family Rights Act to small employers, but then also the family members under that act who you can take leave to care for. Um, there was, you know, as part of that bill passing, there were some members that were concerned about small business. And so what made them vote for that bill was the establishment of this mediation program, which where if you file a claim against a business with fewer than 20 employees, uh, either side can choose to mediate that first um, instead of both parties having to agree. Um, so we wanted to make some changes just to really kind of streamline how that, that process worked and clean it up just kind of logistically. Um, and then as part of that, you know, we did acknowledge really that in 1383, the bill had defined parent-in-law, but parent-in-law had never actually been included in the operative language, uh, which led to a lot of employers being confused um, as to whether parent-in-law counted. Uh, you know, with some enforcement agencies, it, it seemed like still wanted to enforce that, you know, and others were saying, no, you can't, it's not in the operative language. Um, so really because that had been intended to be in 1383, um, you know, the bill just went ahead and kind of fixed that error uh, from 1383. Yeah, and that was something that was really interesting. We had gotten questions on last year as we were heading into um, kind of di digesting what 1383 did um, and where that parent-in-law language is um, and that it was, you know, in the bill, but never was within the definition of family members for whom he could take leave. Um, that said, any of our members out there who um, are listening in, who use our forms, we had anticipated this fix, you know, coming in. And so if you're using those Cal Chamber forms, um, such as our CFRA notice and designation, um, we include that parent-in-law language, you know, in there in those notices. So um, you'll have that stuff, nothing really, really to change, just something there to know that um, parent-in-law is somebody that an employee can take CFRA leave for to um, take time off to care for them. Um, so moving into then these targeted industry bills, and especially ones that got um, some significant press on these, I want to start with SB 62, um, which I think is a misunderstood bill in terms of how broad and the, the large scope in which it applies to. Um, but really what 62 was trying to address was how employees in the garment industry, quote unquote, are paid um, because the, the industry traditionally pays garment workers you know, on a piece rate. Um, and the legislature seemed to want to address those compensation protocols. So how did they do this with SB 62 and who does this really impact? So SB 62 was definitely one of those bills that got a lot of attention um, and it had two main pieces. And, and I think what a lot of the media attention on the bill focused on was the elimination of piece rate. As you noted, um, you know, workers are paid by a piece. Um, it is important to note that it has always been illegal though to pay them less than minimum wage. You know, even if I only for some reason end up making maybe 10 pieces of clothing, um, you still have to, to pay me whatever the applicable minimum wage is. Um, other industries use this quite a bit, sometimes like agriculture um, or, you know, sometimes like technicians, like automotive repair, things like that. Um, but, you know, there's concerns kind of in this industry where a lot of workers were, you know, not being paid minimum wage, even though that is still a requirement. And I think because they're being paid by piece, it was not as easy to be enforced. I mean, it was not as easy for the worker to maybe understand and catch when they were being underpaid. Um, so there was kind of hope by the proponents of the bill that just by paying someone hourly, uh, it's making it a lot easier to be able to enforce that requirement and for a worker to notice um, that. And, you know, with that piece of the bill, we we really didn't take an issue with it. You know, while we believe that piece rate can actually be very beneficial, 
Um, and there's some members that did not like the bill, you know, because of that, um, you know, we, we acknowledge there's issues. Um, and so, you know, that wasn't really the piece that we were focused on. Um, I think the piece that really does not get covered and a lot of the coverage on this bill is uh, increased joint liability. Like other industries, there is joint liability in the industry uh, between two entities that contract with one another. This uh, increases that to really anyone in the supply chain. Um, and it makes it so that not only are you liable for worker, which, sorry, wages owed to that worker under your contract, you're liable for any wages that worker is owed, even if it's for time spent on other pieces. So, you know, for those uh, companies that even just license out a logo that, that gets put on clothing that's made in California, um, you can be jointly liable. So it's something to really think about for those companies when they're looking at where their manufacturing is taking place and who's doing their manufacturing. Yeah, and that was what really struck me about the bill is that joint liability piece, because it's not just those, you know, sewing the clothes, right? It's those all up and down that supply chain. Right. Um, and what I found interesting about targeting this wage and hour issue is that it seemed that there is some more focus this year on enforcement, mm -hmm. um, on increasing enforcement mechanisms. Um, and one that I found really interesting is um, AB1003, uh, um, which turns wage theft, wage theft, excuse me, into an actual crime. Um, I actually got a call from a member recently on this who was kind of panicked because they were um, in an issue with the labor commissioner and they're worried that, you know, they had heard some things that I can go to jail now and, um, you know, this is a this is a crime. Like, what does AB1003 really mean when we talk about wage theft as a crime? So I think something that's important to remember for members is, you know, if you're really intentionally kind of taking wages from employees, that really is already a crime. You know, there's there's other laws, right, that you can be prosecuted under for that. It, it's been a crime for a long time. Um, and, you know, there definitely are entities that have faced criminal charges for that. And so, you know, by making it grand theft, um, you know, it, it could end up being right jail time or, or what have you. Um, if you are taking over the threshold of, of the amount from an employee that's in the bill. But, you know, this bill was originally on our job killer list, um, but we did end up removing it because of amendments that were taken in the Assembly Public Safety Committee. You know, we had concerns about the original language that it would target, you know, an employer who makes a good faith mistake, an employer who, you know, reads the labor code one way and then all of a sudden a court decision comes out, makes some other interpretation retroactive and now is liable. Right. And the committee completely agreed with us on that. In their analysis, it explains very clearly that the amendments to the language to kind of implement this, you know, um, willfulness uh, intentionality requirement is to ensure that it's not affecting employers that are trying to do the right thing. So for those members, you know, as long as you had a good faith basis for what you did, um, you know, you're going to be okay. You know, a prosecutor's not going to come after you under AB1003. It's really for those who, you know, are in, are not paying overtime, right? No, they're not paying overtime and are refusing to pay overtime. It's, it's those kinds of employers that this, this bill is really trying to get at. Well, that's good. I hope it helps, you know, at least some of our members sleep a little bit easier about it. So, you know, again, if you have issues with wage and hour, if you're not sure about compensations, um, you know, consulting with your legal counsel, doing wage and hour audits are always really important um, steps to take um, to ensure that, you know, we just don't run afoul of these really technical um, wage and hour rules. Moving on to another bill that I think was probably the most reported on, um, AB 701, which involves you know, employees of, of warehousing um, employers, um, this talk about using quotas to manage employee performance and what that means and how that impacted the employees and 
whether there's transparency there and employees knowing um, how that they were to meet the quotas. Um, Ashley, can you shed some light really on what AB 701 does and who it impacts and who it really doesn't impact? Yeah, so this bill impacts those employers who have a warehouse and who use a quota system, um, you know, a performance kind of metric system based on like quantity of performance. So, you know, if as an employee you're required to maybe pack, pack so many boxes an hour, you know, you have a quota for that, you could be disciplined based on that not meeting that, um, that's who it applies to. So the employer would be required to disclose any quotas. Um, they must make it so that, you know, there is sufficient time to comply with any health and safety laws, also to use restroom facilities. Um, you know, if the uh, employee believes that the quota is getting in the way of them complying with the health and safety law, they're allowed to you know, request uh, a disclosure of the quota. They're allowed to look at their, you know, history of uh, work speed data. Um, so it, it's, you know, the goal I think here is to ensure that employees are not, you know, working so fast, um, trying to meet certain quotas that they're, you know, uh, not being able to comply with health and safety laws and, and maybe putting themselves in physical harm. Yeah, and I think that's that's really important for the employers to know. But you know, we have a lot of members who are um, who have warehouses. Even small employers may have warehousing units or warehousing employees. And I think something really important to highlight, even though this got such widespread press coverage, um, is that the bill only really applies to um, employers who employ 100 or more employees at a single warehousing unit or somebody who has a thousand or more employees at one or more distribution centers within the state. So Ashley, I think we're really talking about a limited scope of what this bill applies to, right? Yes, that's very true. And that's something we see commonly in legislation is, you know, some of these big, uh, these bigger bills really only do apply to kind of larger employers. And then moving on really to the last bill I think we should highlight um, for this session is um, AB 606, um, which involves Cal OSHA enforcement. And I know, um, you know, our colleague Rob, who has been on the podcast before and handles more of these issues, um, kind of worked with this bill. But Ashley, what can you tell us about AB 606 that our members um, should be aware of? So SB, yeah, SB 606 was, you know, a bill that really did come out of kind of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's really focused on employers that are, you know, violating health and safety laws. So essentially the bill says that if you have a written procedure um, that's not in compliance with health and safety, there's then a presumption that you have, a, it calls it enterprise-wide violation. So if your written policy is incorrect, it's presumed that you are violating the law uh, at every single one of your locations. Um, it also, you know, talks about if there's like a pattern of practice at more than one of your sites, again, there's going to be a presumption that there is violations at every one of your sites. So you're going to have to overcome that presumption. Uh, it does also dictate certain circumstances um, for what it calls like egregious employers, um, as far as, you know, how much uh, the administrative agencies can fine you, you know, based on kind of a, like a per violation per employee fine. Um, and then there are certain circumstances as well where the enforcement agencies can just immediately issue you a citation and don't actually have to give you notice first. So uh, this is, you know, really coming at those employers um, that have, you know, just not been, you know, making an effort to comply with health and safety laws, um, especially uh, with all the changing laws with COVID um, and the, the regulations and local ordinances and everything. Um, this is really aimed at, at curbing that conduct. 
All right, excellent. And if I said AB606, which I think I did, it's SB606 in case anyone's looking for it on their own. Um, well, actually, I think this has been really helpful. Like I said, you know, a lot of this stuff has been really targeted um, for specific industries, as we've talked about. Um, but that does not mean next year will not be any different or will not be different. Right, Ashley? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I think as we look into the next session, we're going to see some, again, targeted bills. Um, there's a bill that did not make it off the floor last year, you know, aimed at the fast food industry. That one will absolutely come back. Um, you know, there's some that are aimed, again, just at larger employers, like some related to, to health, child care and having to pay for that, that, you know, we had con some concerns about for da uh, data collection. Um, but then there's some bills out there that, you know, will, again, affect all employers or, or pretty much all employers. Um, you know, we're going to probably see more attempts at expanding leave, um, you know, including a bill that would have made it so that you can take leave to care for anyone of your choosing, um, a bill to expand the number of paid sick leave days. Um, I'm sure the issue of COVID leave, now that it's expired, will come back. So I think, you know, now that, you know, COVID looks like maybe it's kind of finally, finally going to start moving behind us, we are going to see some of these more general business bills come back up. Excellent. Well, Ashley, it's always a pleasure to have your insight on the podcast. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be here. And thank you listeners for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers Podcast by visiting calchamber.com.